Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Vital Discussions podcast. I am really excited to welcome today's guest, Lash Nolan. I've been following her on Twitter for a while, been reading her writing, and um, finally got her asked and got her on the pod. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so stoked for our conversation. Yeah. So I, I just want to start off by asking, what was, what was young Lash Nolan like? What, how did she know that she wanted to go to medical school? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like young Lash Nolan was this quirky kid who would walk around with like band-aids on her face, acting like she was Nelly the rapper, wearing capes to school. I was just always just doing weird stuff as a kid. And I remember my aunt would always be like, why is she always changing her clothes all the time? Because I was just, I was just very um, enthusiastic about everything and, and just always uh, theatric in, in that way. And really, I, I decided that I wanted to get into to medicine because I, I thought that doctors were like superheroes. When I would see them on TV and when I thought about when, when people ask me, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always just identify with doctors for some reason. And I remember in third grade, my mom and I quickly put together this science experiment for our science fair. And it was like this project with fish and light and looking at how the fish responded to the light. And it ended up getting first place. And that's when I was like, wow, like, I feel like a scientist. <laughs> and that's when I officially decided, like, I'm going to become a brain surgeon astronaut. And that was the goal ever since then. And as I started to learn more and more about what doctors actually do, and as I grew older and learned about health disparities and social determinants of health, it all came together. And it was interesting because growing up, I never, I never met a, a Black doctor. I didn't actually see a Black doctor until the summer after my freshman year of college. So it was, it was really my, my family, my mom, my grandmother, who really breathed life into my dream. And, and I think that that's why I always had that dream in my heart. And, and here we are today. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome, awesome story. Um, was there any like particular TV characters or anyone that you like really loved? You know, any TV doctors, I mean? Yeah, you know, I really don't even know, like, where that first image came from. Because it's not like we had, like, Grey's Anatomy and all that stuff back then. So, or maybe it did exist. I don't know. But but I, I, don't, I don't even know where that first image popped in my head or, like, where that, where that came from. But it was something that was just always in my heart. And I think that when I would dress up as a doctor for Halloween, it just felt so right. Yeah. And now you, you mentioned that you didn't meet your first Black doctor until relatively recently, um, in the last few years, really. Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, so I did a program during the summer after my freshman year of college called the Vine Summer Health Academy. And it's a program based out of Riverside, California, where they select black students who are pre-med and they pair them with mentors who are black physicians in the Inland Empire area, which is about an hour away from LA. And it was such an amazing experience because all the doctors that I was surrounded by were black and they looked like me. They looked like my family members. They looked like the communities that I grew up in. 
And I was also surrounded by Black pre-medical students. And I went to Loyola Marymount University, which is a predominantly white institution. And oftentimes I was one of, sometimes the only one or one of three in my pre-medical science classes. So it was just so awesome to be surrounded by people who also had this dream or were living out the dream that I wanted to live out someday in doing the work in the community and inspiring the next generation. And I think for me, it was like this dream that I had my entire life. I felt now it was officially attainable. Like I always had people who told me you can do anything you put your mind to, but when you actually see it and you have a mentor who has walked the walk and understands the different challenges that you faced um, and will continue to face in the profession of medicine, um, I just felt so supported and I felt like I had the tools that I needed to really get to that next step. And I think you said this at your white coat ceremony at the end of the speech. You said you can't be what you can't see. And uh, it kind of sounds like that this moment or this this program was like a really inspirational, kind of inspired that line in a way. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Because it's like you you can definitely dream it. And I think it's so important for for young Black girls and for everybody to dream and to to know that that's something in their heart that they want to do. But it's so important to have that representation because sometimes it just feels like a dream that you in your heart want, but you don't really know if you can really reach it. And I think that when you see someone doing what you want to do, it just gives you that impetus and that drive to, to work that much more to get there. Yeah. So you make your way, I'm skipping ahead a little bit in your story, but you make your way over to Harvard Medical School and you know, if I remember back when I started, everyone's trying to get to know each other. Everyone's kind of talking, like, mm-hmm. oh, you run for student council or whatever. So when did you decide I'm going to run for student uh, president of your class? Yeah. So for me, I think I, I had this dream of running for student council president at whatever medical school I went to, because I've just always seen student government as a vehicle for change. So I've been running for... Uh, class president since fifth grade and I held that role up until um, even when I was in an undergrad I was student body president at Loyola Marymount University and I think the people often think about student government as this entity that just does social events and organizes concerts and stuff like that and that's a part of it but I've always seen it as an opportunity to get more proximal to university leadership and get into rooms where real decisions are being made and being a voice for students who are traditionally underrepresented in these spaces. So for me, I knew that I wanted to do that at whatever medical school I went to because I love advocacy and it's something that's really important to me. So it just felt like the natural thing to do and just so happened that I realized that by running, I would become the first black woman class president at Harvard Medical School. And I felt like that made it even more important because when I looked at who was represented in student government in past years, um, they did have diversity, but often there were no black individuals on student council. And I think that's because of a a variety of reasons that I've learned to realize in my involvement in student government in the past. But I wanted to change that. I wanted to really make sure that everybody knew that this is a space for you and this is a space that you can use to really advance uh, the cause of the culture and, and to really do social justice advocacy. Yeah, so social justice advocacy is kind of a, it's a big term. <laughs> so right. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot you could do with that. So what kind of things have you been working on as uh, class president? 
Yeah. Um, so, so we've done things like, for example, um, every year we, we usually have a big Halloween party and that's a very inward facing thing that we do with our student council budget usually. But this year, what we did instead is we used that money to invite kids from a, a local school to come onto campus. And we had this, um, this celebration called Fall Fest. And we brought the kids on campus. Uh, we invited our professors to do demonstrations with them. We linked them up with um, a mentor. So like, it, was, it was amazing because about over, over half of the students in my class signed up to be mentors for these kids. And um, they got to do like trick-or-treating and play games. And it was really awesome because this is an institution, a community elementary school that's like right, right there, so close to Harvard Medical School. But a lot of these kids, they've never been on our campus before. And even though our campus is open to the community, it's this, it's this big school with these marble walls and this perfectly cut grass that's green. And it feels very inaccessible to the community in a lot of ways, right? So really what Fall Fest was doing is it was kind of like community inreach by saying like, no, this is a place for you. You are welcome in our walls. And, and it was once again, this, you can't be what you can't see and making sure that they saw students that looked like them and to kind of plant that seed in their head, like, yeah, you can, you can go to medical school, you can become a doctor, you can become a dentist. And it was really just a way of, of using the funds that we have intentionally to really make sure that we're calling in our community members and helping them understand that we're in partnership with one another. And another thing that we did is um, there was this big rally that happened in, at the main campus in Cambridge. And a lot of folks don't know that the medical school is actually about maybe 20 minutes away from the main campus. So the medical school is in Boston in a community called Longwood. And um, of course, Harvard University in Cambridge. So what we did is we funded students to go to a DACA rally that was happening there um, because we do have students who are DACA recipients in our class. And of course, like we wanna support them to the fullest and make sure that they understand that we have their backs. And it was just an important advocacy issue um, from a social justice, public health, and, and medical standpoint as well. So uh, we all went to this DACA rally, and it was so cool because uh, the medical students had the biggest showing, and we were all there in our white coats, and, and we were all saying that um, access to citizenship is a, is a public health issue. It's, it's something that's a public, uh, it's, a, it's a right, et cetera, and it was, it was so beautiful, and that was, once again, a way of us using our funds intentionally to make sure that students knew that this is this is what our student council is about this year, and it was it was really awesome. So those are just some of the things that we've done, and you know, right now we're in the process of doing other things like changing one of our, our society names um, from one individual to someone who's more um, emblematic of what we stand for. Uh, we're looking at how do we look at portraits and the, the names of buildings and things like that on campus. So a whole host of things, but I think always around the central mission of equity, social justice, and advocacy. I mean, that's incredible work. And, you know, having gone through the first two years, well, almost three years in medical school, I'm kind of amazed that you have the time to work on all this stuff. So how do you, yeah. how do you balance your time? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm still learning to do that all the time, right? Like, Everyone says like, you know, you want to make sure that you make time to journal and you want to make sure that you that you do your meditation and all that. And 
of course, I'm trying to do all of that because I think it's important to make sure that my spirit is right so that I can best serve others with intention. Um, so it's always a learning process. Um, but for me, exercise is really important. So I really love running. And what I've learned is that, sure, I can't train for like half marathons like I used to all the time, but I can definitely carve out 30 minutes in my day to go and run. So I think that now I still make time for myself and I still make time for the things that I love to do. But now I just have to be a little bit more intentional about how much time I spend doing those things and really making sure that I schedule them in my day. Like I kind of have my non-negotiables and usually uh, talking to family, running, those are those, are those non-negotiables. And I think also the cool thing about the work that I've been able to do in student council is this is work that I would have already been doing. So it's kind of like a combination of the leadership role of student council, but then also doing the social justice advocacy. So I think that's another way that I've really been able to manage my time is that it all kind of comes together. Yeah. I also wanted to ask about the, some of the work you've been doing on student council. Is, is, it sounds like your class has been very receptive to, to the work. Uh, yeah. Agree with that. Oh yeah, 100%. I actually, when I ran for student council president, all of these things were a huge part of my platform. And I talked about how I wanted to do a lot of this work and they were completely on board, you know? And I think that the fact that they did elect me is also telling of my class and the type of leader that they were hoping for and looking for this year. And it's just been an honor to work with them. And all of these projects I couldn't have done if it weren't for the support of them and them having my back and pushing me to do these things. So my classmates are amazing. And even those who never engage with a lot of these topics, they're always willing to learn. And I think that that's all you can ask for, right? Is to make sure that um, people are, are willing to understand where they have those knowledge gaps and are willing to do the work to make sure that they feel them. Um, what, you know, I think it, it can be hard to get involved in this work. I mean, it's emotionally taxing, you know, it's time consuming. Yeah. Of course it's worth it. But what, what message would you send, would you have to all your fellow medical students? Maybe not, you know, not at Harvard, but elsewhere, you know, I go to Central Michigan, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I live far away from you. What message would you have for someone like just anyone who's wants to get involved in the work but hasn't done it before? Yeah, I mean, well, first, I think it's important to, to talk to people who are doing the work, yeah. right? Um, I think that, unfortunately, and at, at a lot of our institutions, there's really a lack of institutional memory. So often, we are, we can, we can reinvent the wheel without really the need to reinvent the wheel. So I think it's important to maybe talk to upperclassmen um, and folks who have already been doing this work and say, hey, um, could you tell me how you did this and how that worked or how that didn't work? How can I get involved? And I think that that's always a good place to start is kind of looking at what, it, what has been done and seeing how you can, can start um, doing that. And I think in addition to that, it's important to also consider um, your passions. Like what areas do you really want to get involved in and, and go from there as well? And I think just in general, I always tell folks, like, if you're going to be doing this work, make sure that your institutions are going to be compensating you for doing this work. I think especially um, people of color, we are put, or students of, of various intersecting marginalized identities, we're, we're asked to be put on different committees and we're asked to, 
to do different things on task force and there's no compensation. Um, so always ask about those things, you know, especially if you're going to be missing class, because at the end of the day, we got to get the degree. So um, that's something that I've always tried to keep in mind is, yes, this work is important and it's, it's, it's very integral to who I am, but I got to make sure that it's not taken away from uh, my academics and, and my, my wellness and, and all those types of things. So, so those are some things that I'm always thinking about. Awesome. Yeah, let's just talk about academics for a second. I'm just curious. <laughs> what is yeah. It, is there, uh, you know, we're med students, so we have to talk about. Oh, yeah. All, all about that. <laughs> Do you have any, like, favorite classes or anything that like, you're, really, you're really drawn toward? Yeah. I mean, as of now, I feel like I'm probably going to end up doing some, some form of primary care just because I, I love a little bit of everything. But I think my favorite systems so far have uh, been probably uh, nephrology. I really like the kidney. And I know a lot of people don't like the kidney as a bad rep. <laughs> but I thought it was cool how each segment has its different job and everything affects the kidney. You know, I'm like, why do we even prescribe incest? They do so many bad things <laughs> to the body. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I love that. Um, and then right now we're, we're taking our uh, neurology block, which is all about like psych and, and all that stuff. And this has been really interesting as well. So, and then I love endocrine too. So, so we'll see, we'll, we'll definitely see. But I think right now I'm thinking P's and potentially doing like a fellowship in adolescent medicine. I think it'd be really dope to work with high school age youth. I feel like you liking the kidney says something about your personality, but I don't know exactly what what that means. <laughs> I hope it's a good thing. <laughs> You're gonna come back and be like, uh, I found this online and I don't know, Lash. <laughs> yeah. Um I know that um I wanna be mindful of your time, so I don't I have a few more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, I know that you, you get you do a lot of writing and you do a lot of like hip-hop poetry type stuff. How'd you get involved yeah. with it? Um, and how does it kind of keep you, keeps you, uh, I guess, your mind fresh, I guess? Yeah. So, Derek, honestly, I started rapping um, during my sophomore year of college, and we had to do a project for our um, second semester of anatomy physiology. And we have to do, you know, one of those creative projects where they're like, yeah, you can make a website or do a blog, but you have to do something that explains the various systems of, of the body. So I was like, oh, that'd be cool if I can make like a mixtape and make a mixtape about all the different systems of, of the body. So I did that and I like made like remixes to Beyonce's partition. And I think like uh, Drake had a song called like All Me or something like that. And it was so much fun. And at the time, I was an RA. And I was in there like, yeah, you know, doing my thing. And my residents were passing by like, laughs. Like, what's going on in there? You know, rapping about the body. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I love putting together the rhymes and um, doing like these, you know, um, really like... Uh, creative things with words and and then I've always just been expressive like you know I love writing cards for people I'm that person that sends like these really long text messages on your birthday or I send you like a voice message 
And people are like, why are you so extra? And I'm like, this is just how I express myself. I'm a sentimental person. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that's how it all came together. And I think throughout medical school, it's really been an outlet and it's been my way of expressing myself creatively, whether that's the hurt that I feel because of different social injustices or talking about science. So it's, it's definitely something that I'm going to continue to do. But uh, I, I don't know. I think God just blessed me with, with this, this hobby that's really turned into a passion. I know, you know, I've, I've said at the beginning, I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and I've noticed that you've, like, been interviewed a lot lately. Um, yeah. What has that been like? Like, you know, you're just like a med student trying to, like, learn the kidney, and then all of a sudden people start following you and asking you, you know, how do you feel about what's going on in the world? Like, what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still taking it all in. Um, I got on Twitter uh, for for like black Twitter jokes <laughs> back in the day, and um, and it's really turned into this community of people that I look to learn from, that I share knowledge with, and a lot of these individuals have become my friends and mentors, and it's really been a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but I I do think I'm still learning how to deal with, you know, for example, getting a, a getting verified on Twitter. Like that's something that I never thought I'd see, especially like this young and to, to be a voice in, in medical education. And it's something that I try to reflect on a lot to think about how I can intentionally use my platform. And that means making sure that I'm uplifting the voices of those who don't have a platform like this. And that includes my community, that includes other medical students who might not know how to use Twitter or might not be as savvy with social media and things like that. So I think that it definitely is um, a big responsibility, but I do try to, to think about how I'm using my platform in a way that is intentional, as I said. And I think the first time that I was like, wow, you know, this Twitter thing is really getting big is I was in class once and one of my professors came up to me and was like, hey, Lash, like, I really enjoyed reading your piece. Like I saw it on Twitter. And I was like, wait, what? Like, how did you see my piece? And that's when I realized that it was really starting to get on a more national scale, that the things that I was writing, the things that I was saying. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's a little weird sometimes. It's like, you know, when my professors have, have read one of my pieces, but I think that it's really cool because it shows that we're all learning from one another. Like they're teaching me, you know, the GI system or the nephron, but then I'm also teaching them about the experience of some of their patients that they may have never considered before. So uh, definitely still learning to deal with it all, but I do feel extremely fortunate and, and, and grateful for this platform. Yeah. Um, last question I have for you. I've been yeah. asking all my guests, or well, most of them, is what are three books, and I ask books specifically because reading is, reading is good, that have been, that have been mm -hmm. That have influenced me? Yeah. Mm. So I would say my favorite book is The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, it's about the Great Migration, and it just really helped me understand why the world, especially in the in the United States, exists as it does. And just such a such an excellent book. Um I would say. The other book that I loved was Ghost in the Schoolyard by Eve Ewing. And it's about the closing of public schools in Chicago 
Um, after graduating from college, I spent two gap years, one in Spain and one in Chicago, and did a lot of uh, reading about public policy and systemic racism. And that was one of the books that I picked up. And Eve Ewing is definitely one of my favorite authors. So I, I really, I really love that book as well. And then I would have to say the other is Evicted by Matthew Desmond. And the reason why I love that book so much is because he does such a great job of, I mean, essentially what he did is he did like this ethnographic study where he lived. Have you heard of uh, Evicted? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, it's just so uniquely done and like his perspective as a sociologist and how you kind of get, to understand both worlds of both the renter and the person that's renting and just how complex that is and how it's all, you know, bound to systemic racism and, and all of that stuff. So I, I really enjoyed that book as well. But there's so many others, but I think those were the first that came to mind. Yeah. Awesome. Well, last Nolan, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. We talked. Yeah, about- this was great. Yeah. So thanks again. Thank you, Derek. This was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lash Nolan. It was awesome. Again, don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Spotify, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.